Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men could not put Humpty Dumpty back together again. (laughs) Humpty Dumpty, a story of brokenness and vain attempts to repair it. I was not expecting such level of excitement and animation from the crowd. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, apparently, COVID exacerbates the the funny bone. I don't know. <laughs> the last few weeks, uh, this is, I guess, the fourth week in our at least five week series talking about uh, proclaiming the gospel. So the first couple of weeks we talked about uh, prayer. We talked about meditation and prayer, about how reading the word, studying the word leads us to prayer. Meditating on the word leads us into conversing with God, hearing from God and talking to God. And a couple weeks ago, we looked at Colossians 4 and we talked about praying and planning and proclaiming. So if we're intending to proclaim the gospel... We have to pray that God would actually make our proclamation effective. And we have to plan for it to be effective. We have to plan for how we are going to proclaim the gospel. See, in our fancy logo, there's those three words that I try to continue pushing us towards that help define who we are and what we're doing as a church, as Christians, gospel, community, and mission. We proclaim the gospel, we build each other up in community, and then we send each other out on mission. So how is it that we should proclaim the gospel? Is there one way? Are there multiple ways? What we started last week was exploring a particular plan to proclaim the gospel, a certain way in which we can proclaim the gospel succinctly. As we looked at a couple weeks ago in Colossians 4, Paul told that church, and even now us, by proxy, he said, make the best use of your time. Make the best use of your time. To walk in wisdom when it comes to outsiders. And so the way in which we plan to do that is to learn how to proclaim the gospel succinctly. So in just a couple minutes, we can go through the basic ideas of the gospel. And what we called that, as we started looking at it last week, is called the three circles. Three circles. So it's on the back of that uh, poster over there. And I'm going to draw it again today on this one. And so we talked first about... God's design. We looked at Genesis 1 and 2. We looked at God's design. And we talked about God's design. We talked about how God had a design for all aspects of our lives. Even from Genesis 1 and 2, it was clear that in our work, in our family life, in our marriage, in our raising of children, existing in this world, God had a plan for all of that. He had a design for how that should happen, what we should focus on, how we can serve him in those areas. But what we're going to look at today in Genesis 3 is sort of the second circle. That first circle is God's design, which I can go ahead and write up here so we can get some of this figured out. He is athletic. So right up here, God's design. 
And so this is meant to be a pattern that you can follow. So we start off with God's design. And then in Genesis 3, we find our focus today in brokenness. Brokenness. So Genesis chapter 3, I'm going to read verses 1 through 19, if you want to follow along. Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate, and the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. And I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you were dust, and to dust you shall return. Brokenness. The first instance, the effects of sin, brokenness. We begin by our little fun nursery rhyme and Humpty Dumpty. What are we supposed to do about brokenness? What does brokenness look like for us? It says in the United States today, 40% of children live in single parent homes. One half, a half million have been removed from their homes due to abuse and neglect and placed in foster care. Number it's probably higher over the last couple of years. An estimated 20 million are ensnared in some kind of addiction. There's allegedly police reports over 3,000 violent crimes a day. Right? We're a Humpty Dumpty nation. We've fallen, we're broken, we can't figure out how to put all the pieces back together again. Right? And we try. It's not for lack of trying. We all try. We all recognize what's wrong. We all have a sense of the brokenness that we 
face in our lives. We teach values in schools. We are trying to provide more health care for everybody. We look at prison rates and how to reduce recidivism. How, you know, people going back to prison after they've been in there. There are all kinds of things that people try to do to put our nation back together again. The only solution that we can have is the one that God has given to us. We know, as we looked at last week, Genesis 1 and 2, that God has a design for each of our lives. But the Bible tells us that we choose to depart from that design. And if you want to take notes and want points, that would be our first point. We choose to depart from God's design. It's been true from the beginning, as we just read in Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve themselves thought they knew better than God, or at least they wanted to be like God, to be able to seek wisdom apart from his word, his command, his design. And so the Bible word for departing from God's design and going our own way is sin. So as we draw on our little illustration here in the three circles, this arrow represents sin. We move away from God's design, and we all do it. Isaiah 53, 6, we all like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. Romans 3.23, for the wages of sin, no wait, that's Romans 6.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. When we depart from God's design, it always leads to brokenness. That would be our second point. When we choose to depart from God's design, it always leads to brokenness. And so this is where our second circle comes in. Brokenness. Brokenness. Things just gonna keep tilting on me. Should have got a sturdier stand. It's okay. We'll survive. When we depart from God's design, it leads to brokenness. We know when our communion with God is broken, we know it. It feels like fear, shame, guilt, loneliness. We saw that in Genesis 3, especially in verses 8 through 10. Verse 8 says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Fear, shame, loneliness, guilt. We try to hide from God. And we also feel the effects of brokenness around us, not from just what we have coming out of us, not because of just the things that we have chosen to do, but we also feel it, the effects of it, brokenness in this world from the outside that affects us. Brokenness is not just what we experience from the inside, but also what's forced upon us from the outside, things we can't control, ways in which other people depart from God's design that impacts us. Maybe you grew up with an alcoholic in your family. Right? That brokenness is not your fault, but you still have to deal with it. The consequences of brokenness are all around us. From the outside, 
and from the inside. Look at Genesis 3.14. The Lord God said to the servant, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And I mean, we can keep reading all the effects Of this brokenness. Verse 16. To the woman he said. I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband. And he shall rule over you. And then Adam's (coughs) curse. Brokenness. This is our third point. We're going quickly through these points. Brokenness disrupts God's design. Just as last week we talked about God had had a design for our family life, for our spiritual life, for our married life, for our work life, physically for our life. So in the same way, immediately in Genesis 3, we see the effects of brokenness in all areas of those. Our spiritual life, we have an enemy now, Satan, the serpent. It disrupts our family life, as we just read. For the woman, there's pain and childbearing. Disrupts our married life, as we read also there at the end of verse 16. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. It disrupts our work life. Read verse 17. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you, and pain You shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So it disrupts our work life. It disrupts our physical life. Now there's death. God had a good and perfect design For our lives, but sin and the resulting brokenness disrupted each and every aspect of that design. The one positive result of brokenness is that it helps us to see our need for change. And that's our fourth point. Brokenness helps us see our need for change. We try to cover our own sin. Adam and Eve did in verse 7. What did they do? They realized they were naked. And so what did they do? They tried to cover it up. They sewed together some fig leaves and made themselves the first clothes. And they weren't very good. Because if you keep reading past what we read in Genesis 3, God made them some clothes that actually worked. We try to cover our sin. We do what we can to fix our own brokenness. And this is where all these arrows come in. We try all of these different ways to fix our brokenness. All the different ways that this world teaches us to fix brokenness. So what are some ways that we try to fix brokenness? we, We try to... I mean, just think of relationships. Maybe we enter into relationships, right? 
Maybe the brokenness is in the relationships, and so we leave the relationship when we're not supposed to, when we shouldn't, when we should stay and fight for it, when we should stay and work toward peace. We leave the relationship. Maybe we enter into relationships that are not godly, that we shouldn't. Maybe it's drugs and alcohol that help us to forget about... That's not very good writing at all, but whatever. You get the idea. I mean, that help us to forget about it. Help us just to get a buzz to take off the stress that is mounting in our life. Right? Maybe it's just self-help. Maybe it's just trying to do better. Maybe it's just me doing what I can to discipline myself so I don't feel the effects of it as much as it depends on me. So, I mean, you know, there are lots of books out there about how we can fix ourselves. Lots of ideas. Self-love. Right? I mean, how can we do things that are geared towards me, that are centered on me, where I can focus on me? Brokenness is a bad thing. But in at least one way, it's good because it's a way in which God gets our attention. God has made a way out of our brokenness. And that is our... This really just leans, doesn't it? And that is our third circle. The way out of this brokenness is the gospel. Our third circle, the gospel. Brokenness is easy for most of us to understand. So when we're talking to people and we want to proclaim the gospel to them because we know that in their life they are without Christ and they are without hope. They're lost and without hope in a dying world. That they don't have peace. That they don't have joy in their life. They don't have Christ in their life. And we want to proclaim the gospel to them that they might know and understand and believe. Where it can easily start in the conversations that we have with them when we are trying to turn everyday conversations into a gospel conversation is in brokenness. We all experience it. We all feel it. We all are able in one sense or another to understand it from the inside. We're for sure all able to see it and understand it looking at the outside. And so this whole idea of brokenness And the ways in which we try to solve them or the ways in which we experience brokenness just by itself is a good key that can help us to enter into a gospel conversation and to starting to talk about, yeah, this is not how it was meant to be. This was not God's design for us. But what happened is what the Bible calls sin that's entered us into this world and this state personally and corporately as a people, as a nation, as citizens of this world, as humans, into the state of brokenness, broken relationships, depression, discouragement, guilt, shame. And we all want out of brokenness. So we try to fix it in all these different ways. We try to fix it. But it just seems like we get more and more broken. We look for ways to alleviate it. When we feel broken on the inside and everything's all messed up, we know something needs to change. And the Bible's word for that change that is needed, that is necessary, is repent. 
And so how do we get to the gospel? The Bible's word for change is repent. How can we truly experience that change in our lives? Repentance. Brokenness is what gets us ready to try God's solution, which is to repent and believe the gospel. The change we really need comes from Jesus. I tried all the things that I could do. We sang about it in that third song a few minutes ago. All the things that we're trying to do don't work. The only change that can truly affect us is what Christ has done. God sent Jesus to live a perfect life. And he did that. And he was killed. And he was buried. But then, to show that he was who he said he was, and that he has the power to forgive us, to cleanse us, to to take us out of the brokenness that we were stuck in, he was raised from the dead. Proving that he is who he says he is. And that he can do what he says he came to do. Jesus came to forgive our sins. And so when we repent and believe in him, he gives us his spirit. He promises to be with us. And that is when we can seek at that point to recover and pursue God's design. He sends us right back out into the same broken world that we are still in to tell others how they can find forgiveness and the change that they've been looking for and they can experience life. The life that God originally intended and the life that will last eternally. One of the great things about this illustration and then presenting the gospel this way, proclaiming the gospel using the three circles, is that this is a sort of never-ending loop. This is not simply just, hey, come and listen to me so that you can be saved. It's listen to this so that you can understand how to live, how to live the way in which God has designed this life to be lived, that you can continue as you experience brokenness in this world and in your life, you can repent if it's your sin. You can trust Christ and the gospel if it's someone else's, and you can depend on his forgiveness, on his strength, and you can seek to recover and pursue God's design in your life as much as it depends on you, as much as we have been called, as we're reading in the Spiritual Disciplines book, to discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness, to seek out God's design in our lives, to do the work on our end as the Spirit is giving us the strength, the motivation, the power, to be changed through the gospel, to find God's design for our own lives. This fly is an example of brokenness. 
just not sure these flies were meant to exist. Were there flies in Eden? I don't know. Those and mosquitoes, probably not. But I mentioned that last week. Um, so, when, when we explain this, and, and you can do this again, you can explain all this in two minutes. This does not take much. It doesn't take long. It just takes a little piece of paper. It takes a napkin. Write it on a napkin. You can say, hey, can I... You've just mentioned this area of brokenness in your life. And, I mean, you don't have to say brokenness yet. You can just say, you know, hey, I haven't really had to deal with that. You know, yeah, I mean, your kid's being disobedient and, and you just don't know how to deal with it. I mean, man, I haven't dealt with that. Well, I mean, I have, but... You know, I haven't dealt with that particularly and what you're talking about, but but can I can I explain can I show you something how I've been able to deal with the brokenness that I've dealt with in my own kids' lives and in my life and trying to interact with them and bring them forward? Can I show you this? Right? And that's when you talk about, you know, God's design was for all of us to be good and and it was to have great relationships and that didn't work out because of sin. I mean, you can do it really easily and simply. So next week, we're going to concentrate on talking about the gospel. Because I want, I'm giving us this overview of these three different circles and sort of the arrows then that go with them so that we can fully understand what it is that we're talking about. When we talk about God's design, where, where in the Bible can we look at God's design? And it doesn't Take long, we just got to go to Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 and see that God had a design for everything. We talk about brokenness and sin. Where can we go to talk about brokenness and sin? We'll just even stay right there immediately afterwards. In Genesis 3, you can see there's brokenness because of sin, the effects of it. So we're looking at each of these three things, and next week we'll talk about the gospel more. Again, to give us a good overall picture and a more in-depth understanding so that whenever we do talk about this and we ask the person we're talking to, where do you see yourself here? Like, where, where are you at? I mean, I mean maybe, you've, maybe, maybe you've been right here for the last few years in your life. I, I mean, maybe, maybe you've been seeking out wholeness and peace in relationships, you've been going from guy to guy to guy. You've been going from girl to girl to girl. And you just can't seem to make it work. Just, you never find the happiness that you're searching for. It's because you're not meant to find your overall true purpose and happiness. And that stuff, where we find it is in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross on our behalf. The message of the gospel as we recover and pursue then God's design for our lives because of that. So I hope you can see how this is helpful for us to succinctly and clearly explain the basics of the gospel and simply our Christian life. Next week, we'll look more at the gospel. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truths found in it even from the beginning. We thank you that you haven't left us broken. As we read earlier from Psalm 138, as 
as we even as we even read in Genesis 3 that you already had a plan in place to not leave us suffering and wanting but you have made a way for us to experience your grace to have life and to have it eternally God would you give us the boldness this week to proclaim your truth to those who have yet to believe it. Would you help us this week to encourage those around us who have believed the truth but have areas in their lives where sin is creeping in, where where doubt has arisen, where difficult times have begun. Would you help us to be an encouragement to one another to trust you in, in those moments? and in those situations. We thank you for this word of truth and for the hope that we have in Christ alone. Help us to live like it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.